with me in my foul life. Hello there, podcast world chat building. Another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Foul Thoughts. Brought to you by our friends at Safari Club International. First for hunters. And I mean that. They truly are. They are fighting for our rights behind the scenes every day. When you're waking up, no matter what time zone you live in, the Pacific, the Mountain, the Central, the Eastern, wherever you're at around the world, SCI is battling for our rights, not just for today, but for many years to come. And I'm, what I mean by that is there's so many things going on in state legislature, local legislature and government, federal legislature and government, world legislature and government, whether it pertains to Africa or the Asia or different continents around this world, in Canada, North America, the United States, specifically the continental United States, Safari Club just isn't about safari hunting. You know, the dangerous five, the big five, Plains Games in Africa and all the countries on that continent, they care for hunters who are chasing squirrels and coons and rabbits and ducks and geese and sheep and goats and mule deer and white-tailed deer and black-tailed deer and coos deer and sonora mule deer, you name it, SCI is there for hunters alike. All of us, we're a brotherhood, a sisterhood. And I'm telling you, I've been talking with the SC guys, SCI guys enough and girls that to know they truly do have our biggest and best interest at the heart of everything that they do and every move that they make. So Become a member, become a life member, become a volunteer, support a local banquet, go online to some of the online auctions they're holding right now, supporting outfitters, supporting local chapters of Safari Club International, become a member, become involved, because this lifestyle is not guaranteed. It's a privilege and not an entitlement. It's not written into our Declaration of Independence or our Bill of Rights. We do not own the right to hunt. We do own the right to bear arms like we've talked about before. But let's support SCI and other conservation organizations that are fighting for hunters' rights every day behind the scenes. And foul thoughts, man. Foul thoughts. It's the late season. It's it's February. It's it's duck season's over, but there's still some goose seasons readily available. California has its late season. You have the snow goose spring depredation season. Most of the Canada goose seasons are wrapping up last week, but some of those even went into mid-February. Colorado, Nebraska, Wyoming. We get to hunt a lot. We're privileged, so privileged to wake up and be able to go chase animals and pursue them and harvest them ethically and then eat them with our friends and family. Take them off of that Traeger. They taste, oh, so good. And now it's time to get ready for turkey season almost for a lot of us. Florida, Osceola is opening up pretty soon. South Georgia opening up pretty much, you know, mid-March into March. And then you move up into the, the eastern states and the the, the mid the Midwestern states. Uh, we're going to be hunting in Tennessee, maybe Alabama, Georgia, California, Idaho, Nevada, southern Oregon potentially. What, what, what we're going to see what COVID does and how that's going to change, you know, some of our travels. We're hoping that it doesn't, but we love turkey hunting. Gobbler hunting is awesome, but this is foul thoughts. And I guess, uh, you know, turkeys are foul. I guess they are one of our feathered friends, but I'm talking specifically ducks and geese, foul thoughts. And some of the things I've been thinking, um, how awesome a good snow goose hunt can be, how unbelievably speckle belly geese taste. 
how awesome it is to be with our friends throughout the entire season and how it never gets old. You hear that a lot, man. You get tired of each other, but man, ducks and duck season ending, it brought tears. And then being reunited in the late season geese, just a couple, you know, goose season, just a couple weeks later in California, seeing rock and the guys again, I was like, man, I missed this. And it's only been 12, 14 days. And I think that's what duck hunting does. It just gives us that ability to develop fast friendships, real friendships, legitimate and authentic friendships that create memories and write stories. And um, we had a hunt this this week, man. I got to tell you about it. it was awesome. It was uh, David Wise, two-time Olympic gold medalist, freestyle skier. Remy Warren, who you all know, the famous Remy Warren from Solo Hunter, Apex Hunter, Joe Rogan podcast, Remy's own Cutting the Distance podcast, Meat Eater podcast. Remy is the man. And um, had those two in camp with Rock and Riley and Alex Topance and a few other individuals that came up from Monterey that we became fast friends with. They actually bought a hunt. We donated to one of the California waterfowl chapters in Calusa. And we all got out there and uh, we struck out the first day. Um decoys weren't exactly what they needed to be we weren't on the x the birds shifted a little bit and we should have known that but we we went against our better judgment after scouting the night before and we set up about a half mile off the x and it pinged us big time we laid there at 10 a.m with three speckle belly geese and it was about over and we're like we need to get on these geese they're in the area they're moving north just with a lot of velocity they were being very aggressive and feeding they're in the grass now they're out of the rice and they're moving up into different countries where there there's no rice available so they're they they ancestrally have been going to these ranches for a long time and they're eating the grass and they're in there heavy and we had to get on the x so we put together a game plan a bigger decoy spread we were going to have now anywhere from 1500 to 1600 full body greenhead gear snow goose decoys and about 200 full body greenhead gear speckle belly geese and we were going to be in white tyvek suits we were going to lay in between and we were going to teardrop where we're going to loosen our spread downwind and have those snow geese you know kind of hop over the dark geese the specks out in front and get to that big mass in the middle and by the time they did that into our kill hole it would be a little too late and we 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 drew it up we envisioned it we used our visualization skills and it came to fruition with a lot of working flocks, snow geese on a runway, seeing the spread from a long ways away and just cupping up and setting in, not even really working vertical like snow geese do a lot of times. They were on the deck a lot of the times, right in our dish. And we were we were shooting good. I mean, the Benelli's were performing. The Black Cloud was performing. I'm talking guys, girls, this combination, I keep preaching on it. Benelli, Super Black Eagle 3, right-handed or left-handed, 26 or 28-inch barrel. Federal, Black Cloud ammunition. Goose hunts, when there's not any ducks, we're going to use a 3-inch BB or a 3-inch 1, maybe a 3-inch 2 because we're shooting geese that aren't as tough as a big Canada, not as hard to take down. But Three-inch BBs and three-inch ones were our choice for this late-season California speck and snow hunt. The Rob Roberts T2 choke tube. Some of us had a T1, but most of us T2. And then the high-vis sights. That combination of Benelli, Federal, high-vis, and Rob Roberts is un-freaking-stoppable. You can take that to the bank and make a freaking deposit. 
daily deposit, weekly deposit, monthly, yearly, whatever you want to do, get that combination working for you. Because I've seen the results day in and day out that never lets us down. We see better with the sites. We pick up our target better. We stay on target better with Hivis. We transition from target one to target two to target three better. And coming up in the late season, you know, the, the spring depredation, it can be way more targets because you have an extended magazine. So transitioning and staying on target, that light pipe technology allows us to do that. The constrictions of the Rob Roberts choke tubes and the, the patterning efficiency and the consistency are everything to us as it proves day in and day out with that black cloud three inch BB or three inch number one, we are getting a lot of BBs on target in a 36 inch circle at 15, 20, 25, 30, 35 yards. We're not shooting many geese over that during this time of year. We're trying to decoy them. We're trying to get them on camera. We're trying to tell stories through the lens. And then of course, Benelli simply perfect, pull the trigger, send the dog, right? That's what Black Cloud and Rob Roberts, Hivis and Benelli let us do. We truly believe in that combination and I'm not trying to hard sell you. I'm just trying to tell you what works and we hunt a lot and we hunt a lot of different scenarios and habitats and winds and in mother nature and weather and climate, everything. It works day in and day out. So do yourself a favor and get on that Benelli Federal, Rob Roberts, Hivis kick and get on that train and i'm telling you you will not regret it so keep in mind that we're shooting these geese consistently every six seven minutes they're coming another migrating flock coming out of the south moving up into this country some of the geese like i said were already there the night before but we're seeing so many more geese today than we were the night before during our you know when we're on this hunt and we're shooting good and we're piling them up and we're trying to do our best to retrieve the geese after every go because you don't want a bunch of whites laying out there in your kill hole dead geese red marks on them with the blood if there happens to be a cripple which trust me there weren't many but if they if the wind takes them and we had a pretty good 15 18 mile an hour wind when you hit them and they fall back in that wind and the ones that are getting out of there you're hitting them at a little bit further distance at 25 30 yards they're falling outside of the spread those approaching geese don't want to see that that's not natural to them so you were getting out there axel is picking up geese like it's his job it was a great hunt for him to pretty much go out on we might have one more before he goes back to georgia and joins brad and and uh, Lee at, down at Mossy Pond, but he's picking them up. We're picking them up. We're running back, getting in the spread, trying to control our breathing. And we are literally piling these geese up. And here's the deal. Here's the question is, when you're laying in Tyvek suits, legally, we have to keep those geese by us. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to keep all of the geese in our own separate piles because the limit is 10 specs per man and 20 snows per man during this late season, this five-day late season in the balance of the state, California, 2021. And it's, it gets tough because you can't have a big pile of geese because that's going to scare the birds and not let them finish. So what is legally okay to do? Can you lay them amongst the decoys? Can you Keep them close enough to where you can say, I've killed these 12 snows and these six specks, so I'm legally still able to shoot because the party hunting, there's all these questions in gray area of what can be done legally and what's not legal for snow goose hunters and speckle belly hunters alike because the numbers get massive, guys. We're up in the 120 bird range on some of these hunts legally because like I said, if you have eight guns, that's legally 160 snows alone. That's 80 specs. 160 plus 80 is 240 geese if everything went your way and all the pieces of that puzzle came together and you killed a limit. What are you doing with all these geese during the hunt until you reach that limit? 
That's what we got to think about. That's what I've been thinking about in my foul mind, the foul mentality, foul thoughts. Again, brought to you by our friends at Safari Club International. What do we do with all these geese? We're ethical. We're legal. We're not breaking the law. We're trying to do our part to take some of these snows out of the out of the herd or the flock or the ecosystem. There's specks are there's a reason why you can kill ten specks a day in California because the breeding grounds are producing a lot of specks and a lot of them are coming into the Pacific Flyway. So. What is the right thing to do? I want to know. I want to talk to a game warden, federal or state agent of what's the right thing to do when you are on a, obviously they want you to kill a lot of them if they set the limits that high. If you get on a good one and you're on the right feed and you're on the X or close to the X and you got a good wind and you got some sunshine and it's cold outside and you're the, the hunt's going your way, what do you do with these birds? Think about that. Ask questions. Due diligence. There's no exceptions. There's no ignorance to the law, they say. But there is gray area, in my opinion. I'm trying to figure this out. I want to figure it out. Please write to us at info at thefowllife.com or at thislifeaintforeverybody.com and tell us what's the real thing to do. Because I know what we're going to do with them once we get them back to the lodge or our, our, our intimate domain. We're going to eat them. We pluck these specks. We love eating speck. A lot of people call these sandhill cranes the ribeye of the sky. No, specs are the best. Specs could be the best wild game there is. The axis deer is good. Rocky Mountain elk, backstrap, and tenderloin, unbelievable. Whitetail, corn-fed whitetail in Kansas, tenderloins, unbelievable. But speckle belly, good gosh. Give me some more. Crispy skin, reverse seared, 133 degrees, medium rare, raspberry colored meat. We're going to eat them with those snows? Heck Yeah. You ought to see what we're doing with our meat products made with meat. Meet your maker, M-E-A-T. Check out their grinders, their processors, their mixers, their vacuum sealers, their labeling systems. Everything this company is building is bad to the bone. And we're processing these snow geese and turning them into breakfast sausage, honey maple, maple bacon, spicy Italian, sweet Italian, chorizo, they taste unbelievable. We made street tacos with Remy Warren one of our first processing days, and we were high-fiving and hugging each other. It tasted so good. And we got rid of a lot of geese because we kill a lot of geese because legally you're allowed to. Even with your possession limits, you're allowed to have a lot of geese if you're hunting these states that have these high limits. And again, if it goes your way and you get on a good one, you got to be legal. So think about it. We're always thinking as waterfowl hunters. We are. Don't tell me you're not. You're always trying to put the next piece of that puzzle together, throw the next oil and color at your canvas and create that masterpiece. This is a thinking man, thinking woman's game. Consistently, if you want to be successful, you can't just go out there and throw out a couple decoys and hope that, you know, the ducks and geese are going to cooperate. They've been there, done that, seen that. You got to have ripples on the water. You got to have that chocolate milk effect in a duck hunt, jerk string. How do you use a mojo? How do you use your decoy spread to be in a, a realistic, legitimate mallard duck, puddle duck pattern? Snow goose hunting, Canada goose hunting on the water or dry lands, dry land duck hunting, speckle belly hunting. How do you do it? How do you hide? How do you trick them? How many masses of decoys do you need in your trailer to consistently be successful? Do you need a boat? Do you need a UTV? Do you need a high trained dog? I don't know. We're always thinking, do you need to sound exactly like a duck or a snow goose or a speckle belly goose or a big Canada or a mid Canada or a lesser Canada or a Taverner Canada or a, a Lucian Canada or a Cackler Canada? Can you master all those sounds? There's so many pieces of this puzzle. There's a lot of moving parts. Maybe that's why there's not a lot of waterfowl hunters. It's expensive. It's a thinking man, thinking woman's game. It's hard. 
to put all those pieces. I'm not saying deer hunting, turkey hunting, sheep hunting. Of course, they, everything has its challenges. Fishing has its challenges. I just want to know what is the right thing to do in a situation like this? And that's what I've been thinking about lately is I want to do things right. I don't want to be ignorant. I don't want to think I'm above the law because I'm not. Nowhere near it. Nobody is. But we are hunters and we're out there doing something that we love and we're doing it ethically and we're honing our skills and developing our skill sets, our set of skills to be able to go in there and say, look at this decoy spread. Look at this scouting job. We got the wind right. We got our hide right. We sound like geese. We're moving like geese. We're hidden. Our dogs trained right. We're shooting good. Like I said about that combination, we're patterning before the hunt. We're not trying to just go out and cripple a bunch of geese and leave them out there for coyotes and foxes and skunks or whatever, or hawks or owls or eagles, golden eagles, bald eagles. We're trying to put these birds in the Traeger and in our bellies. And I don't want to do it wrong. I don't want to ever have an encounter with the law to where we're doing it wrong. We want to set a good standard. We want to be strong representation and representatives of this lifestyle. Like I said, we're not entitled to, but I want to do things right. And it's so easy to do things wrong and cut corners because of the adrenaline. You're in the midst of the hunt, the power of the hunt, the geese are coming. I mean, sometimes people are mad at me because I'm still trying to run my dog on a goose and the next flock's coming. What do you do? That dog's worked his ass off to become trained like that. And this is his moment to shine. I don't want to just kennel him back up because he's on a blind and he hasn't brought it back yet. Let that next flock go. There's going to be more. We don't have to shoot into every one of them and educate every goose. What's the right thing to do? I just keep asking myself that. Should we have laid all those geese in the decoys? Or did we need to make those piles that we were making to show that each individual hunter has his or her own limit accounted for? We got to come to a realization that not everything is in the cards. We're not capable of all this. How do you hide that big of a pile of geese for each hunter without scaring the other birds, but you still want to shoot them, but now they're at 50 instead of 30, and now you're crippling more? That's not good. But if you have these big piles down there and they see them, they're not going to decoy as well. They're not going to cup their wings and put their feet down. I'm just thinking. I'm just talking out loud. I'm just thinking out loud. Remy Warren's a genius when it comes to hunting. We have some of the same questions. What do you do? What is ethically and morally right? What is legal and illegal to do the right way? Because again, we don't want to break the law as hunters, but a lot of duck hunters daily break a law that they didn't even know was in the regs or the books or the federal laws or the state level laws. It's our job as hunters to know these laws. And then you add in hunting different states. Some of us go to 10, 12, 15, 17, 20 states a year, three to four different Canadian provinces a year, South America. We got to know the laws. Arkansas limits are different than Oklahoma. Oklahoma is different than Texas. Texas different than Nebraska and Kansas and Montana and Wyoming. You can only kill one pintail in California, but if you went out there, you'd think you'd be able to kill three, four easy bull sprig because there's so many of them, but you still got to abide by the rules. You can't just shoot bull sprig because you're mad at them one day. What are the laws in all the places we're hunting? And what are the interpretations of those laws in the gray area. Again, we don't want to break the law, but I'm thinking like, how often do we? Not on purpose, not really out of ignorance, just maybe there's gray area that our understanding or interpretation of that law is different, but there's got to be an open line of communication so we know what we're going to get a ticket for, what we're not going to get a ticket for, what we're going to have to pay a fine for, what we're not going to pay a fine for. What can we do? We want to do things right, period. And I just wanted to put those thoughts in your head. 
Because again, Safari Club's fighting for us to have these freedoms to hunt, this right, this privilege to hunt, not an entitlement. We don't, we're not guaranteed this. We got to do things right. We want to represent Safari Club, right? We want to represent organizations like California Waterfowler, Pheasants Forever, Mule Deer Foundation, or Whitetails Unlimited, or Quail, Pheasants Forever, I said, or Quail Unlimited, National Wild Turkey Federation. There's a ton of them, guys. I want to represent them the right way. Girls, I want to represent all of these organizations the right way. We got to do it together. We have to come together and think before we pull the trigger, launch that arrow and set it in flight at that vitals of an animal. Are we doing it right? Are we doing it legal? Because I want to keep hunting. I love hunting. Make no apologies about it. No excuses about it. I love to harvest animals ethically and morally correct. And then I love to eat them. I like to think outside the box with unorthodox recipes and create awesome memories at a table with a bottle of wine or Jack Daniels, a cold beer, a Coca-Cola classic, a glass of milk, everything in moderation, everything responsible. This lifestyle is special. Being a hunter is special. And that's what Safari Club has opened my eyes to is that there's so many different parts to being a hunter. And we're going to go through different phases and different maturity levels in our hunting careers. But I know guys that are 90, Mr. John LaMonaco, 80, Mr. Les Nesbitt, almost 80, Mr. Mike Colon, people that have been on their deathbeds that want to be in the, the field hunting. We get to hunt for a long time. So if you're 18 or if you're 25 or if you're six years old or you're in your 40s or in your 50s, we're hunters. We're hunter women. We're gatherers. We're providers. We're conservationists. We live off the land. Let's do things right. So there it is. That's what I'm thinking about. Think about that while you're driving right now to work or to the fishing spot or to your boat ramp or to your next snow goose hunt or your turkey hunt. Let us know what you want us to talk about. What are you thinking about? What foul thoughts are going through your head? And I love it. Thank you guys and girls so much for the support of the provider so far. Our dry rubs are rocking. Our cookbook comes out in 2021. So much going to happen at theproviderlife.com. New episodes of the Foul Life TV will air in July of 2021, exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. We even have a new TV show coming out on My Outdoor TV. I'm going to give you more details later, but it has to do with hunting and cooking and recipes and living off the land, gardening, being one with nature, knowing how to communicate with animals, speaking their jargon. Thank you for the support of Jargon. JargonGameCalls.com. We couldn't do it without you. We have so many more new duck and goose calls coming for the 2021-22 season. I'm just excited, guys. I love it. I'm getting ready to go on a couple more hunts for waterfowl season. And as that wraps up, we're going to start looking for those big old toms, goblin, crushing our decoys, knocking over our jakes, trying to get on top of our hens and laying them down, putting that turkey in the grease. So many cool wild turkey recipes. My boy, Chad Mendez taught me some during our photo shoot for the provider cookbook, but look for it all. You can check us out at the foullife.com, the providerlife.com. Check out our new line of beef at American Almond Beef, A-L-M-O-N-D, AmericanAlmondBeef.com. Check it out. We have pro, we have programs going on right now with discount codes and introductory offers. It's going to blow your mind and your taste buds. It's awesome beef. And we are raising these steer from 900 to 1300 pounds on a prepared proprietary proprietary blend of feed that includes almond holes. That's all I'm going to tell you. The meat is tasty. It's sweet. It's got fat in it. It's got the right amount of marbling. We are so proud of it. 
American Almond Beef. Thank you again for the support of all these brands. In today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast, Foul Thoughts was again brought to you by our friends, our brothers and sisters at Safari Club International. We could not be more proud to represent SCI. Check them out at official SCI on Instagram. Support them. Become a member today. Until next time, here's that song we call My Foul Life by the rock band 2AM Logic. Tom J, hit that button. Thank you all very much. Life.